Welcome to the Mindful Fire Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast. My dad will be so grateful. See you next time on the Mindful Fire Podcast. Welcome to the Mindful Fire Podcast, where we explore living mindfully on the path to financial independence and beyond. On today's episode, I dive into part two of my conversation with my friend Lori Stevens, who retired at the age of 40 and is currently the executive director of a nonprofit in the Hood River, Oregon area. In today's episode, you'll hear how Lori and her husband Doug reached financial independence and retired by the age of 40. And you'll hear how Lori has had several careers after leaving her initial work including leading bike tours across the United States, Canada, and even in New Zealand, and how she also became the executive director of a local nonprofit. We'll also explore how having kids impacted their journey to financial independence, and how Lori believes it actually accelerated their path to financial independence. We'll also explore why Lori feels there are so many opportunities that come from living in a small town. And Lori will share her advice for those early on their path to financial independence. You'll also hear Lori's advice for those about to reach financial independence and those thinking about what's next as they approach it. We'll also talk about how Lori sees mindfulness and its intersection with the path to financial independence. I hope you enjoy this wonderful conversation with my friend, Lori Stevens. So it seems like you've had a few post-career careers. Mm -hmm. You were at home with the kids. You then did the bike tour. And uh, at some point after that, it sounds like you transitioned into this nonprofit role. Would love to hear a little bit about your thinking then and how that came about. Well, I had not been working for two years and I was finding that I was feeling restless. I was feeling less satisfied. The winters are long and dark here. And I have a little seasonal impact from just the the weather. And I recognized that I needed something more to, to focus on, to feel productive, to feel connected to other people. I was walking with a friend one day and we weren't even talking about this, but she just popped out with, you know, hey, do you want a job? <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, well, I was going to apply for this this job that I, I knew about, but she, but it's not the right time for me. But I thought of you. I thought it would be a perfect fit. And I learned more about it. And I thought about what my skills were and whether this would be a good fit. And I thought, well, what the heck? I'll, I'll, I'll apply and I'll see what this is all about. Literally within a week, I think we went for a walk on Monday. I contacted the hiring person on Tuesday. I had an interview on Wednesday. I had the job on Friday. Wow. So that's fast. Monday I was going for a walk on Friday <laughs> and I was unemployed. On Friday I had a job. Wow. It's a small town. So the other thing that's great about small towns is that there's a lot of opportunity. It's not like living in the Bay Area where you are fighting 250 or a thousand other people for the same job. And I had done a little bit of work when my kids were little. I had done some volunteer work in their school and I had done some fundraising for their school and sort of had gotten connected in the community that way. And part of this job, you know, would be doing fundraising for a school. It was a different position. It was an executive director position instead of sort of a volunteer or mom kind of thing. But it was one of those situations where volunteer activity actually fed into a paid position, which I know that that's advice for a lot of people. Hey, you know, if you're looking at a different 
career, you know, start volunteering and, and see if mm-hmm. you can make connections and segue into a job. I think that was huge. I, I also joined the the planning commission here in town. I was a commissioner on the in the planning department for as a volunteer for several years, for like five years. And um, that was also very eye-opening. And those positions are quite easy to get because, again, it's a small town. (laughs) And they're usually looking to fill those spots. You know, it's like, please, please, you know, be on the planning commission. We need people. And so um, I was just sort of open to those opportunities that seemed like they might lead in directions that, that I'd be interested in. So there were sort of several of those that came along. And that did end up laying some groundwork. It was not part of my master plan by any means, but you know, this job just sort of fell into place. And, um, and I was really glad that it did because it, it does require a lot of the skills that I have. And I feel like I've been able to do a good job and make a contribution, you know, locally here with our school district. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So it sounds like you went with the flow but also were open to opportunities and to kind of dabbling with the volunteer opportunities along the way, yeah. not necessarily expecting it to lead anywhere, but just out of interest and wanting to give back. And then kind of were open when the, the opportunity to do that uh, in a more formal role came along. Right, exactly, yeah. And, and I would say that the small town, you know, I would just repeat that small town uh, aspects of, um, you know, looking for jobs. Sometimes that's a drawback. A small towns don't usually have a lot of, you know, great opportunities maybe for like full-time professional employment, but there are a lot of little niche jobs and part-time positions and things that um, I think if you, and, and just connections in a small town, that, that's just part of it is that, you know, you get out there, you meet people, you know people, and um, it, it, to me, it seems like it can be easier to get a job in a small town. Maybe not a high-paying job, but it sort of right, depends on what right. you're looking for. Yeah. 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 But if you are already in a position where you don't need to make a lot of money, either because you've saved a lot of money or your life doesn't cost that much or both, then right. you can take jobs that other people can't. And then right. you can have those opportunities come along. Um, and you have the flexibility to just jump on them. That's exactly. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So as you now transition to thinking about what's next as you're coming up on kind of your, the end of your committed time or that you've set in your mind that you want to be doing this executive mm-hmm. director role, how are you thinking about what's next? It seems like things have been quite uh, serendipitous in the past. Uh, right. <laughs> how are you thinking about it? Well, um, I could sit and wait for something else to fall in my lap, I suppose. Um, I don't, I think those only come along, you know, once every whatever, 20 years. Um, <laughs> I, I'm torn because my husband's been spending more time traveling. And so he has been in, um, going down to Baja, California in the winter months to um to pursue his his outdoor activities a little more you know fully and so i have not joined him for the, that full period of time i've you know gone down for like three weeks at a time but he's been going for three months for the last couple of years and so um I, i'm a little torn do i do i want to be so free that i can travel anywhere and any time 
or, um, you know, but that has the drawback of when you're not traveling, you know, there's, there's not a lot of structure. There's, there's a, a sort of, um, a lot of un, unknowns and, and just, um, you know, what do I do with myself? I mean, the kids are gone, right? It's, there's no one to cook for, clean for, you know, take care of anymore, usually. Except when they come home for brief periods of time. But, um, you know, that, that emptiness of the days is, is hard for me. And um, so while it would provide freedom to, to travel, I wouldn't want to be on the road continuously. Um, mm. And so when I'm home, you know, what, what would that look like? Um, so I, I, I don't know what the next phase is. You know, you and I both are on a, on a path towards this, you know, mindfulness meditation stuff. Um, mm -hmm. You know, knowing that I've always enjoyed teaching, you know, maybe with more years under my belt of meditation and some retreats, maybe I would then sort of step into looking at teacher training. It's too soon for me, I think, right now. Um, I don't feel like I have my practice sufficiently established to really be able to help others that much. Um, but that's a possibility, you know. Um, mm. I, I don't know how that would look, where, who, when, how, why, you know, but it's a thought. Um, I could see taking, you know, going full-time uh, retired and for another year or two and see what that feels like again, maybe take those trips some of those longer mm -hmm. trips, Doug and I were yeah. going to go to Europe this fall. Um, and that's not going to happen now. So uh, it really makes sense to sort of hunker down and work until sort of the travel restrictions become lessened and maybe explore some of those places. Uh, I really want to, for, to take him to New Zealand because he's never been and, and mm -hmm. I loved it there. So there are some, you know, bucket list travel destinations that I'd like to have the opportunity to explore without uh, having to take huge chunks of time off from a job or, or, um, but I don't really see doing that for the next 30 years. So, um, I don't know, maybe something else is out there waiting for me. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like nothing but opportunity, uh, nothing but opportunity <laughs> ahead because yeah. <laughs> it's kind of unformed. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So maybe taking, going to that, uh, working until kind of things open up a little bit and you can start to kind of just have that time where you don't have any responsibility and can travel for longer periods of time. See how that mm -hmm. sits with you now that you are kind of on the other side of another, uh, work stint, I guess. Right. See what kind of opens up from there. Is that right. the thinking? Yeah. yeah, that is the thinking. So it's, it's a good place to be. It's, it's interesting as I think about my own journey and as I look towards what my ultimate reaching of five will look like and what I'll want to do after I don't have to work full time, what that will actually be like and what I'll want to do. And I tend to be a little mm -hmm. bit more mm -hmm. trust in the universe, let, <laughs> let things fall into yeah. place. And that works yeah. pretty well, but also yeah. have a desire to be a little bit more intentional and to design my life a little bit more. 
And so I'm, this podcast in itself is, is an exploration of this idea. One, right. uh, both talking to people like yourself who have done it or are on the path to doing it, but yeah. also seeing, do I like podcasting? Do I, yeah. talking to people who do teach mindfulness full-time, because I think that that might be something of interest to me in some way, mm-hmm. shape, or form, because I do teach a class at, uh, at work called Search Inside Yourself, which is mindfulness-based emotional intelligence, thinking, okay, well, what does it look like to actually build a business and make a career out of doing this, um, either part-time mm-hmm. or full-time? And so it's kind of like serving double duty on that kind of learning right. and and experimenting at the same time. Do I actually like podcasting and doing all of this associated things? Um, yeah, which has been cool to learn, learn new skills and, and have great conversations, but really trying to figure out what that next chapter looks like. Yeah. Well, it's, that is definitely the challenge because you can't see into the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All you can do is try and anticipate as best you can. But when we were first talking about financial independence, I, I, I didn't know what we'd be doing. You know, I didn't know mm-hmm. when it would happen if it would happen, what we would do if, you know, if it did happen. So I I think that it was, I mean, it's good to sort of have a vision, but you can't be really fixed in it. You've got to be flexible. Like the idea of that, you know, if it doesn't work, we'll go back to work. You know, you sort of, you do have to roll with it. And there's so many unexpected things, you know, what the stock market does, if that's part of the plan, you know, you can't control that kids and, all that stuff. You can sort of control when you have the kids, but you can't always control yeah. what happens after you have them. <laughs> yeah. You know. Now that's very true. That's actually a, a good segue. I would love to understand mm-hmm. in your in your mind um, how did having kids impact the journey? You know, some people think, "Oh, kids are so expensive," and you. If you have kids, oh, this is off the table for you. Obviously, you guys made this happen with having kids. Um, so right. I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts on yeah, how did how did having kids impact the the journey? Well, I think for my husband, it made that journey all that much more necessary. Like mm-hmm. I said, he could work or he could be a parent, but working and parenting at the same time was like a death sentence for him. It just didn't work. And so I could have seen the the impetus or the, the drive to retire be a little bit even less acute if he if we didn't have kids and he was just working because it's easier to achieve a life balance if what you really love to do is not part of your work life. Um, then, you know, you have to have time for it. Well, he mm-hmm. was working and then he was coming home and parenting and that's not to say... He didn't love the kids, but that was not his life's dream of, you know, raising small boys in a rainy climate. (laughs) And so oddly, it, I think, drove, it fired up that, um, that desire to find an alternative lifestyle where everything could be more balanced, um, including having more time with the kids, but more pleasurable time with the kids, you know, do fun recreational things, not just you know, feed, clean, diaper, sleep, feed, clean, repeat. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that partly 
you know, I think there was the fear. Kids are expensive and all that mental stuff. But when we sit da- sat down and, you know, worked out the finances and looked at the budget and, you know, can we do this and can we not? Um, it, it, they really weren't that expensive when they were little because we didn't have them in daycare. You know, all you had to do was feed them and right. they don't eat that much. So <laughs> when they were little, <laughs> it wasn't that much more money at all. Um, and, and so we weren't scared off by that. One of the things we did do because I'm a planner is we started putting money into college funds and we agreed that we you know, would encourage the kids to go to a public university, which we both did. And, you know, we weren't going to try to save money to send them to Harvard or anything. So um, right. that helped take the pressure off of feeling like we had to save, you know, $250,000 each for them or something to try to put them through a private school. And we told them that, you know, we, when they were starting to look at colleges, it's like, okay, dude, either get scholarships somehow you know if you want to go to a private school or just go to the state you know one of the state universities and get the public education because that's what we did and it worked out pretty good for us so they both did they both went to you know yeah to to state colleges and 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 they've been fine so um there was a little more fear it's like oh my god we're responsible for these children but I think we really looked forward to having a life without the stress of a work situation that was just kind of creating a pressure cooker feeling. You know, it was like, mm-hmm. we want to, we want to have fun with the kids. You know, Doug ended up coaching their little league team for years. We introduced them to a lot of outdoor sports, uh, none of which actually stuck, unfortunately, but we spent a lot of time skiing with them on the mountain and trying to get them to, you know, paddle around in the river and ride bikes in the woods and, um, you know, go camping and we just spent that kind of quality time with them. And, and we have absolutely no regrets about that. I think if anything, I wish we had sort of taken them on the road a little bit more and and done more of more traveling with them when they were little, but, but that didn't happen. We, we didn't make that a priority. So that's very, it's probably opposite of what a lot of people say. Yeah. I think yeah. a lot of people say, oh, we can't retire early. We've got kids. We're like, we yeah. better retire early. We have kids. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Cause <laughs> We're not going to be able to do this, you know, work and kids thing. This is just too hard. Yeah. yeah. I feel like people are really feeling that now where they are yeah. working and parenting all day long. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, I've only been I, in the I, parenting game not even two years, but I know. We're, thinking back to the beginning of the year when we had a nanny and we would go to work for eight hours or so and then come home. It's just like, wow, this is easier. (laughs) This is much easier, much more expensive, especially in the Bay area. But it is a blessing as well, having all this time with him and very fortunate to have a work, a work environment that really supports and understands what we're all going through. So that's huge as well. But yeah. definitely no joke. Um, and so maybe more people will realize it would be a lot easier if they didn't have to have the work part, if they can figure mm-hmm. out the money situation so they can just focus on the life and kids part. Right. Right. It does simplify things, surprisingly. Yeah. Well, let me move us into the what I call the mindful fire final four. Uh, we'd yeah. love to ask you a final four questions. So the first question is, what is something or someone that you are incredibly grateful for? Corny. Um, 
but I have to, I have to give credit to my husband for the vision um, that he had that has really allowed us to, I think, actively create a life instead of passively sort of reacting to the conditions that we were surrounded in and accepting the norm at the time. Because in the early 90s, not a lot of people were talking about early retirement and financial independence. So I really do somewhat begrudgingly have to credit him for only begrudging only because, you know, you always hate to tell your partner he was right. But um, uh, <laughs> yes, in spite of all my concerns, I think that that he really helped propel us through this adventure and um, helped give me the confidence to follow along and and really walk beside him in this on the path. That was pretty cool. So I, I, I have to I have to be grateful for him. <laughs> there you go. I figured that might be might be the, the way it went. But yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's good vision, you know, it's a obviously I'm into the vision. But yeah, having that right. vision when it wasn't a big movement and people weren't talking no. about it all the time and people yeah. probably thought you were crazy for, for pursuing it and or even yeah. thinking it was possible. Right. Well, my parents were quite freaked out. You can imagine my dad just kept asking me over and over now, how, how are you going to do this? Are you sure you're okay? Are you, you know, I'm like, yeah, yeah dad, it's okay. We, we, you know, we have we a plan. We ran the numbers. We right. have a spreadsheet. Yeah, we ran the numbers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Question number two, what advice would you give to someone early on their path to financial independence? Well, early on, I think it's living within your means and sticking to the plan. So there were a lot of opportunities, I think, where we could have spent a lot more money on things. I literally bought my first new car ever in my whole life in January. We never bought new cars. You know, another time was when we moved up to Seattle. We had a real estate agent who was provided by the company that was helping us relocate. And she kept showing us all these like executive mansions. And we were like, we don't want an executive mansion. And she said, but you can afford it. You know, why don't you think you deserve it? And we were like, no, I don't think you understand. <laughs> we don't want to have, you know, a mortgage that like that. We want to be able to have something really affordable, nice, but affordable so that we can put money, you know, aside. We don't want to spend every, you know, 30% of our income on our on housing. And we really had to convince her to start showing us cheaper houses because she just she didn't get it. Um so things like that, I think just mm. really looking at what you're spending and why. And um if that doesn't come naturally to you already, I think it, it's definitely more work. It sounds like it might come more naturally to you and it certainly came naturally to my husband. Um but it, if that's if you have that goal, I think it's really important to to be very mindful of of what you want and why you want it. You know what is driving your your um, your spending habits and and what can you what can you give up in order to help accomplish your goal? Yeah, I think that is great advice um, because yeah, it's very easy to just kind of buy more than you need, right? Yeah. Or take on more house than you need. That's uh, kind of something that yeah. I am is alive for me right now as we think about, okay, well, we moved to New Jersey. We're staying with my in-laws. What do yeah. we do next? The initial thinking mm -hmm. was rent a house somewhere closer to New York City. 
apps for when I need to commute in. But mm -hmm. with interest rates so low, it's like maybe we buy a house, but mm -hmm. how much house do we buy? What it, you know? Right. And then coming yeah. from California, it's like, well, that, that one's only, you know, $700,000. <laughs> like yeah, that's, that's so cheap. cheap compared to the shack I would get in <laughs> <Yeah>. California for <laughs> 1.4 million. Exactly. But it's still maybe more than we need, probably more than right. we need. And certainly, right. Right. you know, might not contribute as much to the plan as I'd like it to. So it's good to keep in yeah. mind. Spreadsheets. Yes, yeah. spreadsheets. Spreadsheets. The third, Spread what advice would you give someone about to reach financial independence and getting ready to think about what's next? That is one of the critical things is to know, to, to have a good sense of yourself as far as do you need structure in a day? Are there things that you, you know, are just dying to do that you haven't been able to do because you've been working? Is it worth just completely unplugging from a job uh, in order to do those things? Or, or do you actually need that structure? Like for me, I, my husband is, is perfectly happy entertaining himself. He's, he's been learning Spanish. He learned bluegrass guitar. He started playing in a marimba band. Then he started building marimbas. And he's been doing all of his recreational sports. He goes with the flow as things come along. He he grabs on and you know really challenges himself challenges himself to learn new things. I need more of a structure than just oh I'm now I'm going to learn Spanish. You know I need some accountability to others. You know I need to show up. I need to have that feeling like I'm also contributing. So I think knowing who you are and what makes you feel fulfilled and happy is really important. Not that you have to know it all in advance, but to be aware as you move through your your world and your experiences what it is that you need in a, you know, post-work world to keep you engaged and satisfied um and and to explore those things and to and to be open, you know, have some plans, but also have that flexibility of if something does fall in your lap you know, that you don't not see it, that you, that you actually see the opportunity and say, Oh, okay, I'll, I'll try that. You know? Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, and the fourth question, uh, is I'd love to hear your thoughts on how you feel mindfulness, the practice of mindfulness and meditation, mm -hmm or uh, factors into financial independence and kind of designing a life that you love? It's kind of a big question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that that self-awareness really does come from um, having a mindful practice to really be able to tune into what it, what, you know, resonates for you because I'm, I've always been very motivated by external messages of what I should do, you know, what society thinks I should do, what my parents thought I should do, what, um, even what, you know, my husband thinks I should do. And, um, it's, it's been helpful to have a, a mindfulness practice to help me hear that voice of what it is that um, really does give me true fulfillment, not just sort of this external achievement. Um, 
And so that's where I see those things dovetailing, both in terms of, you know, early on recognizing um, uh, craving and recognizing, um, you know, sort of wanting and desiring objects or things or spending money or, or, you know, fame or fortune and, and really having an awareness that those things are pulling you so that you can mindfully pull back from them when it's appropriate. And then moving past those initial phases of planning for financial independence, once you actually are there to, like I said, be able to kind of be more aware of really what, what allows you to thrive as a individual. I mean, I'm certainly not there yet, but I feel like the, the mindfulness is helping me avoid a lot of those distractions and, and the I should, I should, I should, and listen a little bit more carefully to what, what I feel is important, what's more true for me. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, thank you for sharing that. It, a, a good reminder of the importance to really listen to your own wisdom right? To check mm -hmm. in with yourself, like, what do I want? And do I want that because I should want it? Or right. do I actually want it? And, and really kind of just inquiring within certainly something that I'm working on, been working on, will keep working. Yeah. On. It's yeah. just kind of yeah. one of those lifelong practices. It is. And I think it's even harder when you're still in the working world and you're, you know, you're looking ahead to where you want to be or you think you need to be or maybe where you even think you should be because you have a lot of mixed messages you know you've got you want to be successful at work but what does that mean you know why do you want to be successful at work you know what what are you tr striving for and is that aligned with your your values and things like that so i think it's a lot harder i mean you've got a lot of stuff going on and you have a lot more people needing you you know now with the kids sort of out of the house this whole world really does open up in ways that can be overwhelming but at the same time it liberates you know both of us to explore okay and now what's next and and like i said that can be a little uh disorienting when you have so much freedom but in some ways i think it's a little a little easier than having to f to fight all the distractions or struggle with a lot of those pulls and distractions that come from career and family life and things like that. So I think mindfulness can help with both of those areas. That's great. Uh, and just to wrap up, how can people find out what you or your the organization you're working with are doing online? Yeah, well, I'm I don't have much of an online presence, yeah. but the organization I work for is called the Hood River County Education Foundation. So we have a website, hrcef.org. So if anybody's interested in checking that out, we do take donations for our kids, so um, that's uh, certainly uh, available to people to explore if they want to. But other than that, I really, you know, don't have any books. I don't have podcasts. I don't have a blog. I don't have a website. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's perfect. Sort of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Lori. Really appreciate you joining me on the podcast today. And I hope you stay safe and healthy. Same to you, Adam. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Mindful Fire podcast. If you got value from today's episode, please hit subscribe on the podcast player you're listening to this on.
or on YouTube if you're watching it on YouTube. This just lets the platforms know that you're getting value from the episodes and you want to be here when we produce additional content. If you're enjoying the show, I'd really appreciate if you could leave me a five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. This will help more people find the message of mindfulness and financial independence. And if you'd like to join our email list and be notified each time I release a new episode, please do so at mindfulfire.org. Thanks so much, and we'll catch you next time. Mm -hmm.